Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Show. Coming up, trophy time. Will the Dons dazzle or will Rangers rampage in Hamden next week? Celtic spark fizzles out at Rugby Park as Kelly ruin Rogers' unbeaten run. And the Tartan Army take the lot. Euro 2024 is sold out despite the SFA's best efforts. Another wacky week in Scottish football as things get festive. Well, for some at least. If you're not raging at VAR, you're screaming at your manager to get the boot. But if it's been a good few days for your team, you'll be out and about picking up Christmas cards with a smile and buying that special someone something nice. Maybe tickets to Germany. Or maybe you're too skint because of Germany. Uh, nothing can destroy Laura Brannan's Christmas cheer though because Scotland are going to Germany. Can I say Germany one more time? Germany! <laughs> she's the senior producer from TNT Sports, uh, and she's been in the most Christmassy place in the world recently as well. How was New York, Laura? Oh, I mean, like, it's nice to be back, but I wish I was in New York because it's the most amazing place on the planet. It was incredible. <laughs> Christmassy so, yeah. time as well, like, really nice. Like So much. Makes me think it of lives- Home Alone. Yeah, it lives up to all expectations. I felt like I was in a movie walking down every street. I have seen, like, I feel like I've been in Spider-Man and Home Alone 2 the entire time. It was incredible. It's, I... Do you know it, <laughs> what What was so lovely is obviously like in like WhatsApp groups and stuff with Laura this week, it, it was genuinely like a, getting updates from a kid just walking around in wonderment. <laughs> it was a bit like all the updates, the photos and stuff like that Laura was sending to our groups. It was a bit like, you know, the episode of... Um, of friends where where Chandler they, they take the girl that's going to be the surrogate Monica and Chandler they take her out of New York she's like I apologise for my husband and you don't think he's going to do it and he comes in the door and he's like New York is awesome it's like that's exactly what Laura was like the whole of the last week so it was yeah, wonderful to see yeah I think I, <laughs> the first day I walked out of the subway in Manhattan and I just looked up and I was walking about exactly as Finn says I was just walking about like a kid in a candy store like this is incredible wow cool yeah. that's really cool a nice one man I'm glad you had a really nice time. Uh, that was Finn breaking the fourth wall there before his introduction. Yes, no festive football podcast is complete without a Christmas bobble and having a roasted toasty holiday is the head of creative at Melbourne FC, Finley Marks. Roasty toasty Christmas. Well, not quite yet because we're back to... Melbourne's a bit like Glasgow sometimes, so we've had 30-odd degree heat last week. Well, you said this and, last time, yeah. Uh, but it's it's down to 20-something and, and pushing it down with rain. So oh, welcome oh, to the summer. Down to 20 in December. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tough times, man. What have you been doing? Uh, just work, work, work. We've got a very busy period. Uh, after a month pretty much of away games with Melbourne City, it's, it's a month of home games. Um starting on Tuesday with our final Asian Champions League group stage match got the possibility of getting through the group stages which is very exciting we have been forced to play the match not at Amy Park our traditional home stadium because the Foo Fighters were in town and they've wrecked the pitch so we have to go to an AFL ground that has VAR capabilities and play on the pitch of a different sport so that'll be very fun on Tuesday Amy must be raging Poor Amy. <laughs> I wouldn't feel right, too well, sorry for her. She's a big insurance company. <laughs> That's a bit harsh, saying she's big. Anyway, <laughs> give me a laugh, guys. Give me a life. A life? Give me give me a life as well. But yeah, who's going to kick things off? Laura, you kick things off for me to cheer up my spirits after a weird uh, weekend. Well, keeping with the Christmas spirit, um, looks like Edinburgh United were out on a Christmas party at the weekend. Oh, God. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Edinburgh United, if no one saw this tweet, the club put out this tweet. Now, okay, look, they're not the biggest club, so um, it was okay to put this tweet out, but it was a screenshot from their squad group chat. And one of the players had put in at 20 past three saying, where is everyone? Clearly, they were meant to meet at five at, at three o'clock. Somebody replies going platform five. So this player replies with a screen, this photo from platform five in a, what I think is Edinburgh Waverley Station with the word Amazing. invisible. And then another then it transpires all these teammates start to realise, no, mate, the bar, the bar is called platform five, <laughs> not the train station platform five. Super. So, yeah. That's, a, that's quite think, confusing, though, isn't it? I it's, mean, it's a great it, screenshot, but whoever 
dot to put it out. All their phone numbers are on it. So if anyone is looking for Edinburgh <laughs> United players' phone number, you've got them all in this screenshot. <laughs> Amazing. I don't think I've ever done that. Confused where to be. I think I've always, I've never been on time, but I've certainly, <laughs> certainly never confused a location before. Oh. You could see where the confusion is. Though. That, that is confusing having a bar called yeah. Platform 5 in Edinburgh. Like, it's it's not a, a total stretch to imagine you'd be meeting on the Platform 5 in Edinburgh to get the train somewhere for your Christmas Such an name. Edinburgh name, isn't it? <laughs> so Edinburgh, Platform 5. That's oh yeah, we're really going to Platform 5 for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Christmas party, Platform 5. <laughs> Let, let's not make this a West Coast versus East Coast divide here, guys. Let's keep this, uh, even though it is a laugh. Uh, Finn, not, have you got anything? I was going to say, let's just, let's keep it Tuchter, because that's the most important thing. Uh, let's go Duncan <laughs> Ferguson getting sent off at Cali Thistle, which oh, was yes. one of the best things that happened all weekend. It's not just he got sent off uh, after remonstrating, is that the polite way of saying it, with the referee? He got sent off. But what he did was he climbed into the top tier where the away fans were at Hampden Park and just sat with the fans and sang and chanted with them for the rest of the game, witnessing his team demolish... Queen's Park 4-1 at Hampden. Uh, and they're up to six in the table. So rubbish weekend for, for him personally, but uh, you know, a great one for the club. And I think all the fans were saying just they're they're so loving having Big Dunk, like that character in charge of the club. Mm. Cause uh, they've I think they've only lost one game since he came in and the nine right, in charge. Actually, yeah. mm-hmm. And and they've they've you know played Dundee United and they've they've had some tricky games. So yeah, it's all going pretty well for him at Cali. It's, it's a good it's a good video when you see him at full time. Uh, it's it's on Twitter, and he's just standing up, just like with his arms out. <laughs> just, I really enjoy it. Really enjoy his uh, him being back in Scottish football. Uh, you did say about Queens Park. I'm going to bring the tone down. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> Because Queen's Park actually did end up uh, parting with their manager after that game. So uh, Robin Vel- Veldman uh, might, might not be getting that right. But um, yeah, he's he's for the off. But they haven't won since August, so it's not that surprising. 4-1 defeat off of Cali is kind of going to probably put the nail in the coffin for them. But Queen's Park have had an absolute horror season because the, the uh, football... Um, Director of football, Marin Bucher, might be saying that wrong, but uh, he's left as well. So their whole game plan is out the window right now. And uh, it's, there's it, no sitting pretty in the championship. It's just a bit of a mess because this guy, Marin Bucher, by the way, he, he signed a 10-year contract because it was all part of this bigger uh, kind of plan to get Queen's Park straight into the premiership. And they were close last season, but it's been a total disaster since. Big dunk, wrecking things again. Love it. <laughs> Laura? Did you see that Atalanta have got a new kit coming out? <laughs> right, okay. This one is um technically not tartan, I think. I think they're referring to it as Czech, but it is pretty goddamn tartan. Um they oh call my it god, I'm looking at kit. it now. <laughs> they call it their Christmas kit. Um and it's it's lovely. It's a lovely blue, uh slight grey through it. It actually kind of looks like a rugby top, I think. But um yeah. Yeah, it's got really rugby nice. rugby feels. Yeah, really nice. Um it looks nice smart. It reminds me a little bit did, did Dundee not have a kind of tartan kit in recent seasons that was like this kind of dark tartan with obviously the dark blue. It also puts me in mind of I think oh, probably about 15 20 odd years ago Morton had like a proper tartan kit it might even be longer than that but that was another banger as well but yeah just put me in mind of that i don't know is, is there is there much of a, a link any scottish link at all i don't know I was reading I mean, it like you're saying it's not a tartan there's, well kit, there's a football but... italia site um a football italia um story i was looking at and it says the theme for is decidedly scottish as atalanta have their own tartan in the club's blue and black colors ah so yeah if anyone knows more about this um it's quite interesting i'd quite like to know the links here I don't know, uh, Bergamo is a great city if you can ever go over there. It's kind of split into two towns, the old town and new town. Old town is super cool. But I do I really enjoyed being in Atalanta. It was quite cool. So it's a really cool kit. I like Speaking that a lot. Being... I would take that for a Scotland kit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. look smart. <laughs> Um, speaking of being slightly confused about why why something is here, can I just read something that's in the running order here that I think Laura's added? We've got um, Declan Gallagher in his pants. What's going on here? <laughs> Laura! Hold on, hold on a minute. Laura! 
get me a reputation here. I did this in because what on earth is going on here? We need to talk about this photo shoot. Um, you know Declan, don't you? you oh, know yeah. Him from his time at Motherwell, so you can bell him up and be like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> I mean, he probably loved every second. It was probably his idea to do this sort of photo shoot. But it's more, <laughs> what are you doing putting this? I'd love to know the mentality here of who came up with the idea, who thought it would be a good idea, and what they're trying to achieve. Oh my god! Because to be fair, it's got people talking. Um, so we now know exactly what the Dundee United boxers look like this Christmas. <laughs> oh my god! You've, you've all gone quiet because you're all looking at the photos. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, what? <laughs> you're all mesmerized. You're you're absolutely your breath has been taken by the this. fact that he's the fact that he's put this the the stocking basically right across his boys is just like I mean, you could just hold it up. Or like look look at the stocking, but no, he's seductively put it where his crotch area is. And it's not even a proper sock. And sorry. I, I was just imagining more the you know, the thrill of the you know, if there's um, a female or a male uh, listener who's, um, you know, got getting lucky at some point over Christmas, you know, and you're getting down to it and in the throes of passion, taking each other's clothes off. And at the end of it, you're just stared in the face by this athletic body, but they're covered in Dundee United pants. Is that not the biggest <laughs> disappointment of all time? Do you know what? Do, <laughs> do you know what? Funnily enough, I went to this the lassie I, I knew back home massive Dundee United fan um uh, her name's Erin and <laughs> do you know what she I bet you she would probably love that she was such a Dundee United fan <laughs> it just I gives a whole incredible. new meaning to it gives a whole new meaning to the phrase getting a stand a tangerine in your stocking doesn't it so <laughs> oh well oh, done Finlay well what? done like, Finlay I, like I'm not going to complain. If if you want to put <laughs> half-naked footballers on my timeline, I'm not going to complain. But let's look at the other way around here, okay? If you put half-naked women on advertising Very good this, point, Laura. There'll be an absolute uproar over it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's double standards. Remember the whole Air United kit launches they used to do where they painted the kits on naked bodies? Yes. And it was suddenly it got to a certain year and we all went, oh, that's not acceptable anymore. We can't do that. But, you know... If this is okay and we're laughing about it and we're joking about it, no one's in uproar over it. But if this was the women's team, suddenly it would be a whole different subject, wouldn't it? Yeah, you raise that a very good point. point. <laughs> well, I suppose that if anyone anyone who is actually listening to this podcast right now, it's amazing. Thanks so much because you're really getting analytical content right now. But um, we should we should say, you know, if you if you are listening, uh, that's that's what really keeps this podcast going so we do this all ourselves you know we fund it we edit it and we do our best to, to bring everything we can that that we like to talk about football in our special way um so we are on like loads of different platforms youtube tiktok um even facebook because i keep saying it that is that's still a thing um amazing but uh all the social medias isn't it laura who's now just gone off screen uh which always helps our youtube uh <laughs> She's miles away. It's funny. Sorry. This is really oh, good. Sorry, my battery's about to die. Oh, my battery's about to die. Keeping this in the podcast. This is fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, if you are a sponsor and want to sponsor us, this is why. <laughs> We all know where we want to be next summer, don't we, folks? Laura, where do we want to be? Germany! Finn, where, where do you want to be? Germany. Oh, right, yeah, it is actually Germany, yeah. And it, unsurprisingly, Scotland have sold out all their ticket allocation for Euro 2024, uh, but not without its hiccups. Um, it's been a bit of a minging display <laughs> from the SFA, shall we say. Um, sending codes. No. Yeah, sending codes to... 11 pointers, right? So 11 people who are 11 pointers got a code. But Laura, 11 pointers shouldn't have received codes. No, no, no. (laughs) 12 pointers should have received the codes. What am I talking about? (laughs) Yeah, for people who are not um, in the 
supporters club this probably means absolutely nothing to you right now um basically it was everyone that was 12 points and plus uh, and beyond that where um where uh, the word i'm looking for um guaranteed a ticket for the matches at the euros uh, and it was waiting to see how those tickets sold before they then went lower to 11 points and 10 points and beyond, so blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, on the day that the 12-pointers and above got the chance to buy their tickets, the SFA sent out all the allocation codes to the 11-pointers as well, which meant there was a se- extra 7,000-odd people got access to the UEFA portal to buy these tickets mm-hmm. for the Euros. Right. Okay. Um, which would just have caused absolute carnage if it hadn't been caught in time. But, okay, look, the SFA, to their um, credit, caught it in time and pulled the whole thing. The wholesale got pulled off for a day and everyone just started again a day later. But, yeah, it it was absolutely typical because it's the SFA and they couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery. Um, What else did we (laughs) expect from this? It was just... Very, very typical, but it did all they, ended did they up say broken. sorry or anything like that, or did they give an explanation? They were just like, pol- just a simple oh, apology. Oh, it, it was, um, yeah, I think it was a technical error it went down as, um, which is, you know, yeah, sure, okay. But see <laughs> if you're the person that, oh, if you're the person that like clicked it or, or activated it or whatever, and then you notice it, like, oh, yeah. your heart, everything just yeah. like that's not, that's, you know, it's a very responsible job. I, I feel for, um, I still feel for the person or people or department that, you know, that would happen, even though I, it's I, I, their job. <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel it's too sorry way. for them. I wouldn't feel too sorry for the manager because they'll probably end up getting a promotion knowing how the SFA works. So, yeah. They, they, did, they did choose to send out these codes an hour before the tickets went on sale. So, they didn't have to send them out an hour before. They'd say, they, the codes weren't activated until the time the, the sale started. So, they could have mm. sent them out three weeks ago and yeah, it still yeah, wouldn't yeah. have worked in time. So, it was absolutely it was silly of them waiting till that last minute to do it um so yeah it was always destined something was to go wrong but it all went okay in the end um but can we just touch on something here the fact that scotland because obviously i missed all the chat last week with the draw being made and everything i was actually on my flight to new york when the draw was made dealing with the dodgy wi-fi trying to watch the stream of the draw coming through which was really really stressful um but (laughs) and i know we all really enjoy the fact that we got germany okay um and don't get me wrong i'm part of that is great we're in the world stage everyone will be watching us in the first game i think even just getting germany alone is a great draw because they're not one of the strongest ones in pot one but the the punishment side of that the, the, the kind of downside that is how the fans are being treated here because of just the luck of the draw because we got germany in the opening game it means that the tickets were automatically more expensive because it's the opening game and, you know, the opening ceremony is part of it, which, let's be honest, no one cares about the opening ceremony, really. But the, t- what? the, the highest category of tickets, the two highest category of tickets were €400 Euros and €600 Euros for this game. And I'm sorry, but UEFA are ripping the piss here. That is not What's... an acceptable price to pay for a football game. Yeah, is that, sorry, does it start at 400 no, sorry, no. The lowest one was €50, Euros, and then the second one was €190, right. Euros, and then it was 400 and 600 And those two categories are just, for the average working fan, that is just not comprehensible. You cannot realistically budget for that for a football game. The, the, you're, you're not wrong. However, there will be people who pay that. Oh, and the, well, t- the yeah. tickets are only worth what the, what someone's willing to pay for it, like, and people will pay for that. And it's it, it the is, allocation you know, sold country, out, so people have done it. Yeah, but the thing is, the, the the Germany is such a country that we've we've learned and heard of for for years now that they look after the fan. So no matter what, it's still going to be great to be in Germany when that game's going on. Not being at the game, I don't think is that much of a big deal. I think that opening game in Germany is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, it's it, it's it's also. I, I think the point the point you're making is a much wider point about it, it, football in general because it's not. This isn't a decision that the German FAs made around this at all, Laura. I think they would have been much more reasonably priced. This is a UEFA decision, and UEFA and FIFA 
with their tournaments now, it's just all about the money because they know mm-hmm. people will pay these exorbitant fees. So it's, I think it's much more a comment on that. And it's, it is, it's just a shame. And it's, it, you're, a, you're a, a, a hostage of fortune, fortune if you want to call it that, in that you've been given the opportunity to open the tournament, but you're going to have to pay 600 euros for a ticket. Yeah. So, but it's, it, it's the same. It's like they will fleece fans at any point. And clubs as well. That's why they hand out all these mm. ridiculous fines for like, oh, you kicked off 80, eight seconds too late, so you're getting a five grand fine. It's just, they, they will take money wherever they can. It's UEFA's ball, and if you don't play by their rules, they'll take it away. And it's it's a really crap state of affairs, but I don't see it changing. Yeah, no, totally. One thing we should also add is, is Laura, that um, have you seen the Twitter kind of spiel from Scotland Coefficient? So the Twitter handle Scotland coefficient, you could you could Google it and you'll find it pretty pretty easily. But it's like a really amazing kind of um, layout of the whole tournament, uh, and there's there's even like a little thing of like where you can or, or where you can like organize your travel and stuff like that. It's really well laid out. But like Google like Scotland's coefficient because if you haven't planned everything yet, that's got it's almost like a perfect itinerary for for absolutely everything. It's even got like all the ticket prices not that anyone cares anymore because they've all been sold um but if you're still to book accommodation as well you should uh look back on our last or when was that we spoke to Derek Ray um the football commentator uh from Aberdeen who works for the Bundesliga and commentates for games out there um when he's not in Boston and he's a big you know advocate of German football and that chat we had with him uh about last month I think it was um was was so much fun, but he he goes into such a wonderful uh kind of array of stories of how how easy the travel is, um and stuff like that. So it's really good to have a chance to look back on that. But elsewhere, Finn, what's been going on in the news? The fun well, just bit of the back, podcast coming back at, uh, closer at home. This is just from one of the games at the weekend, and we'll talk about the football in a minute. But it's something I just wanted to raise because. It seemed to get quite a bit of traction and I always get annoyed by this when it comes up. So this is the the whole thing that centred around the end of the, the Aberdeen Hearts game and Lauren Shankland kind of flipping off the, the Aberdeen supporters who had been calling him slightly overweight for most of the game, um, which I always find an amazing accusation anyway, given that what most of the fans in the stand will look like in their physiques <laughs> compared to the guys on the pitch, roaring uh, health advice at some of the fittest people in the country but um, you know, there were people clamouring that oh, I should get banned or it's a disgrace and doing all this I'm just like suck it up man it's like if you pay your, your piece and you come in and you abuse the guy on the pitch an opposition player or whatever or your own player whatever you want to do for 90 minutes don't be surprised if he gives a little bit back and I just think he was well within his rights to do this he just said does my box and everybody getting on their yeah. high horse and pontificating about like oh he's a role model he should be doing this he should be doing that he's getting abused in his place of work um, and I, I I, really think if if you're getting sent over the edge by somebody sticking the finger up at you it's just grow up man it just seems so <laughs> pathetic I, I more, completely Laura. agree with this the, the annoying thing is though that he probably could get done for this because there's yeah. a history of this happening that you look back at Lee Griffiths got done James McFadden got done, Graham Alexander got done, now I know they all got done for similar gestures it was the the whole get it up you gesture that, that they all got done for us, I don't know if I can't think of any off the top of my head of anyone giving the finger to Vans um, so I can't tell what's going to happen there um, in that sense but the fact that these players and manager got done for a get up you gesture, it's just the most ridiculous thing. And oh, I remember yeah. one of the, Graham Alexander got done when he was a Motherwell manager. They tried to do him again for the same thing when the fourth official claimed that he did it to him. This was a time when there was no fans in the stadium. So <laughs> he's clearly not doing it to the opposition fans. And they claimed they did it to the fourth official. And we had to get our own footage to show that he didn't do it to the fourth official. And that was the only thing that and end up getting him off in the end. But that was the second or third time it happened. So it was there was a kind of history of this was his celebration. And they just looked for a reason to try and find offence in it. Um Griffiths did it, I think when he was at Hibs to Rangers fans. Can't Jesus fan I can't remember the, the the kind of time behind it. But yeah, there's been history of gestures getting punished. As I say, I don't know if the thing girl get it or not. I, I agree though with it. It is ludicrous. It's it's just a little bit of a reaction. And it's like 
football is a panto sometimes and you've just got if you're going to give it you've got to give it back you've got to take it back um so yeah get over it it's really not a get over it let's not let's not, not get into the whole let's let's not do a cantina though that's maybe a step too far <laughs> although kind of funny <laughs> uh right um we should mention um as we sometimes do uh that when scots are on fire shall we say um, and it was really cool because last week I was working for Amazon Prime's football coverage um, and I was at Manchester United for their game against Chelsea. And lo and behold, Scott McTominay, or McSauce as they like to call him there, uh, <laughs> scored a brace. He should have scored four, to be honest. It was it was really, really good. But um, yeah, two, two chances he just let go by. Um, they beat Chelsea 2-1. But Ryan Christie got the better of him on Saturday. Um, and there was some really interesting stats that came out about Ryan Christie. And I, I've been a bit of a, you know, maybe not so much of a fan of him in, in Scotland, but, you know, and I know this is only one game, but if this could be something, he's he's quite well liked at Bournemouth as well, but some of the stats from the game against uh, Man United, they had 49 touches, 28 successful passes, and 93% of that was a success pass success rate. He had a 100% long pass success rate, seven ground duels won, 70% ground duels won, uh, six tackles, 60% tackle success rate, which is fine. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, zero times dispossessed. One of those, an absolute standout. So he just has to do that for Scotland, Laura. That's the only <laughs> thing I want, really. Um, and to score lots of goals. That'd be nice, too. Uh, McGinn also, uh, you know, big bum McGinn. Uh, meatball <laughs> scored the winner against uh, Arsenal. Saw a really good. Uh, it it was good, but it was just a cartoon of some guy uh, flicking his bum out at people, saying, "This is how uh, this is how John McGinn is <laughs> when I he gets can't the ball." Stop thinking of that, by the way. It's, it's Have you seen I've it? Seen Have you seen it? It's it's he's, <laughs> it's weird. He's got. It's just like Genuinely got the greatest arse in football because it's it's like an additional body part. It's like an extra arm or something. He can just bash people out the way with his big arse. It's just, it's fantastic. The way he uses his bum is brilliant. There was actually I a do... great article that um, friend of the show, Andy Ling, a.k.a. Alba Mater, wrote specifically yeah. about John McGinn and how good his arse is at, um, at, at making him a better footballer. So he's just he's just been fantastic the last mm -hmm. the, a year or so, I would say in particular. I mean, he's always had a good spell at Aston Villa, but the last year or so, he's just been on another level with Aston Villa. And they're going great guns as well in the Premier League, so... Long well, captain, captain of Villa, and uh, he's he's banning the the T word title title talk for Aston Villa. <laughs> but it's good to know, Finn, that you would accept a a a John McGinn calendar for Christmas and his 100%. stocking being across his crotch. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, good news for Scotland from Spain, uh, Tierney is back and played against Villarreal at the weekend. I think it was the weekend. Can we um, just so wrap that's... him up in cotton wool now? And um, that's, that's fine. He's fit. That's great. Okay, he's fit now. We don't need to see him play. We know he can play, and we know he's a good footballer. Can we just now rest him for six months? Thank you. Okay, thanks. This Thank is, you. This is the worry. Like, how well do these players play? Yeah. Um. So it's good that like someone like Christie is playing at his skin, uh, and he needs to keep doing that. But with Tierney, no. No, no, no. Mm -mm. You just mm -mm. play play averagely, mate. You get your six point six. Uh that's absolutely fine. No uh, no tackles. Uh just you know, just you shy away from defender. those tackles. Yeah. <laughs> just you keep doing your runs and no tackling, thank you. Pick up as many red cards as you want, son. That's fine. <laughs> Put them up front for a few games. It's good, it's good. <laughs> uh and not great news to end on. Uh but Alex Neal, the old Hamilton manager, uh he was sacked um at Stoke City after I think well, they led them to 16th last year, um, but they're currently 20th and it's only six wins from 20 league matches. So he is looking for a job. So maybe he'll come back to Scottish football. I'll never forget um, the first time the, the playoffs were introduced um, in Scotland when the pyramid system started and Hamilton played Hibs in the playoff system. Yes. And it was the two-legged, it was the two-legged, the whole two-leg thing was first introduced That's and it sweet. went down to penalties, I think. And, yeah, and it Neil did. Scored, Neil scored the, the winning penalty. In fact, friend of the podcast, God. Eric Ray, was commentating on it as well. I, know, I, was, um, I was at Radio <laughs> 1 Big Weekends that, that day and uh my mum phoned me to let me listen to let me listen to the penalties through the phone <laughs> at the back of the tent. 
It's like you're something else, Laura. To listen to it. That's cool. You're yeah, something else. You're not even a Hamilton or Hibs fan. No. <laughs> Just love it. Just love, love it. it. Love the drama. The drama. The drama. Well, maybe there'll be some more drama next weekend. You think I'm going to answer a stupid question like that? Okay, the first trophy of the season is up for grabs this weekend as Aberdeen and Rangers meet at Hamden to decide who will lift the League Cup trophy. Aberdeen are looking to secure their first piece of silverware in almost a decade. The last triumph indeed being the League Cup back in 2014 when they defeated Cali Thistle on penalties. For Rangers though, it's been 12 years since they last lifted that trophy. It's rarely a dull affair when the sides meet in the league, so we're expecting a, a billboard occasion at Hamden on Sunday. To help us preview the big match, delighted to say we are joined by Gary Scott from the ABZ Football Podcast. So first of all, Gary, thanks for joining, but you must be bloody relieved you got a win in the league at the weekend against Hearts. 2-1 winners. How was it? Um... First 30 minutes were absolutely terrible, but um, <laughs> wins a win, isn't it? Thank God hearts are just about as bad as we are. So uh, I think it's with pool six points clear of Livingston, so it's all good. Yeah, we heard heard the booze at halftime. Like, it's not, it's, it's been a weird season for Aberdeen, but if you're an Aberdeen fan, it's probably just a normal season, right? Uh, it's It's been up there again. <laughs> a bit of a roller coaster. It's probably the best way to put it. But uh, yeah, um, all good. Good to get the win. Uh, we much needed. Barry needed it because otherwise we we're probably looking at having Stuart Duff and Derek Young lead us out at Hamden on Sunday. Um, so yeah, uh, let's was see it, what happens. Is, is the feeling amongst the supporters genuinely it was that close to the edge for Robson? I, I think if Hearts had done us on Saturday, I think he'd have been really, wow. really, I think he'd been struggling big time to survive it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where, where do you stand, Gary, on Barry Robson, are you a fan? Do you think he deserves more time or is his time up? Oh, I don't know. Like, I really wanted to work for him. Like, you know, he's an Aberdeen loon. Um, he comes from Inverurie, which is where I stay, just outside Aberdeen. Um, really, really, really wanted to work for him. But some of the football this season has been just so bad. Like, it's not even funny. Like, baseball, as it's been touted up here. <laughs> it's, it's just honking. Um so I, I really don't know because like, you saw what happened he came in last season he did such a good job and it's, it was almost that thing where the board couldn't not give him the job but yeah. also part of that I go was that because the board dilly-dallied for so long about what they were going to do they just got forced into it and then I, I do look at him and Naismith and I just think that's two really under-equipped guys leading two of the so-called burger teams in the country right now but who knows like <laughs> this time next week we could be talking about a guy who's won a trophy and then you're like well what'd you do at that point you know um I, f- I don't know it's a mess it's an absolute mess I feel like that's almost like written in the stars in the sense because I feel like this season especially it seems like Aberdeen are, are pulling results out of places you'd never expect and then at the same time are losing games that seem like an absolute shoe in I mean how do you how do you deal with those emotions of just being like not having a clue what's around the corner? <laughs> <laughs> Local mainly, brew, mainly, yeah, I'm not advertising. <laughs> mainly, mainly, mainly the drink helps. To be honest, I mean, we laugh. We start the podcast at the start of the Stephen Glass series uh, season, so wow. you know, bloody hell. We're just, you know, I don't know how much I've drunk in the last three years. Um, <laughs> it's been, it's been up and down, and just we're, we're kind of a funny club from that perspective right now um yeah how you deal with that emotion is difficult i mean like we're just for, for the for the for the money for the budgets that the managers have had in recent seasons we should be performing way way better than we are we kind of scraped our way into that third spot last season some of it due to you know the, the influence of robson coming in some some of it due to hearts just imploding um but you know this season to date, it's not been great. That's a, that's a pretty polite way of putting it, I think. It's, it's not been great, but it's, it must have still been nice to be travelling abroad to get, get to these European games and whatnot. It's, the Robson saga is an interesting one because I had always heard really strong like and good reports about him being a, like a youth coach and stuff, even, even at Aberdeen. A lot of people were really talking him up and maybe he did, when he did get the Aberdeen job, that maybe it came a bit too soon, um, but that he was still you know capable of it. What is that kind of feeling that you're in now? The funk you're in, not the drunk funk, but uh, the the fact that you're going into a cup final, and these these occasions always kind of draw up really interesting results. Sometimes shocks, shall we say? So, do you go into it with some confidence that anything could happen? 
as a cut final, you've got to, haven't you? I mean, it's been so long since we've been um, in a cut final against Rangers. I think it was 2000, Scottish Cup final. Don't want to talk about that too much because what happened there. Um, we've not beaten Rangers or any incarnation of Rangers in a cut final since the 1989, 90s, got a Skull Cup final. So it's a massive game for the for the club. I mean, everybody knows the history that goes behind this fixture. Um, and it, hey, it's 90 minutes, 120 minutes, penalties, who knows what happens on Sunday, but it's it's massive for the, for the football club. And despite everything that's gone on so far this season, we could be, we could come into you know Christmas time with a a pot in the director's box to celebrate. So who knows? Let's um, let's how, wait and see. How how big is it for Rangers, Finn? Well, it, it, it's a massive uh, occasion as well. I mean, it, it, for any club, a cup final is a massive occasion. But I think, given the context of the fact that over the last number of years, really, if you want to use the phrase, since Rangers are back, so we're talking like kind of twenty sixteen onwards, since they've been back in the top flight. Um, the amount of trophies that they have won has not been anywhere close to, I think, what the club expect, what the fans expect. They've only had one league title and one Scottish Cup. Um, I think especially for, for a trophy like the League Cup, it can be such an important marker in the season because it's the first trophy. It can give you a real lift. And given what Rangers have come through so far this season with the change of manager and Clement coming in, it's an early chance for him to kind of like put a, a, a flag in the ground to start of this kind of tenure that he's he's got in charge of the club, so yeah, it's it's hugely important I think for Rangers as it is for Aberdeen and uh, like you said in the intro to, to this, it is really a dull occasion when they have met in the league. So I, I expect it to be a, a pretty uh, fantastic match on the pitch as well between the two sides. Do you do you subscribe to the idea that Aberdeen always uh, play better against Rangers? I, going purely by the statistics, um, they they've got a relatively decent record against Rangers compared to you know Rangers playing most other teams in in, in the league as well. Um, I think under Gerard even as well, you know they made of semi finals and cup games and stuff. They lost to Aberdeen was uh, was was proportionally much higher than other teams. So um, there's just, there's a lot of needle between the sides, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing when there's when there are these kind of like rivalries and. And uh, disagreements between clubs and fan base and stuff. It just it just makes for such a better occasion and spectacle. So, um, yeah, I I am um, I'm really excited about the final. To be quite but, honest with you, I'm nervous. Gary, <laughs> Gary Finn calls it needle between the two clubs. What do you call it? <laughs> um, am I allowed to use swearies? Ah, you can use swearies. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I like need needles. Really polite way of putting it. I mean. It's this thing. <laughs> I know. It's it's this thing, is it? Like, you know, Rangers fans will try and pretend, oh, we don't really care about Aberdeen. Then, like, it's just another game for us. It's like fucking nonsense, right? <laughs> we all know. We all know. After Celtic, it's the biggest game in Rangers calendar this in this in the season. For Aberdeen fans, it's the biggest game in the calendar. I, I'm not going to lie about it. Of course, it is. Um, <clears throat> do we want to desperately get one over Rangers at any given opportunity? Absolutely. Is it even better when we can do it at Hamden? supposedly neutral venue in a in a situation like this of course as like, i was down there for the the league cup semi-final i think the one that finn just alluded to under gerard when we won one nil it was like you know i can't remember how many aberdeen fans were there but it was a really really small attendance in comparison you know that proper kind of you know outnumbered but never outfought siege mentality kind of thing kicked in uh, that afternoon hoping for the same again on sunday you know we need to make ourselves as an Aberdeen support heard we need to stay with the team it won't be easy and we expect to be without the ball for large periods of the game but you know these games as well, Aberdeen have got a decent record in recent seasons against Rangers, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we can kind of continue with that. Um, but yeah, it's a massive game. You know, it's, the opportunity to beat Rangers at Hamden with a trophy on the line is pretty much the pinnacle from an Aberdeen support perspective, unless we're going to win the league, but I'm not sure that happened with Baz at the moment. Were you at the, the game at Pataudry a couple of weeks back, the one each game? I was, yeah, yeah. Do you... Do you take much from that game? I don't. I don't want you to say, make that sound like you're the manager going into that. Like, what? What did you learn from that? What's your tactics going to be? But do you like? How do you feel? Rangers are doing right now under the um, Philip Clement reign. Just now, do you feel confident going into this one based on what happened in the recent match? Um, I feel confident to an extent because, like, we obviously we, there was a three-one game at Ibrox where we thought we played really well. The game at Pataudry, I didn't think we played particularly well over the piece. 
thought first half we were okay, second half we were quite passive. We, we turned into Aberdeen playing at Parkhead in the second half a lot, which kind of let Rangers play in front of us. And, you know, if Rangers had their shooting boots on, um, potentially the game's a different game before you even get to the penalty incident at the end. What I did see about it was <clears throat> I think Rangers could be got at up the centre of the park. I think that the centre-half pairings, no matter which one you look at, is cumbersome, can be slow if you get them turned around. Um, so I think we need to try and exploit that. I expect Clement will go with the four-two-three-one. He's been kind of favouring at Hamden, big wide pitch. He'll, you know, I know it's cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. He'll try and get Tavney and Barisic up the lines as as far as he can, which I think gives us an opportunity if we turn the ball over quickly and try and exploit in behind them as well. It'll be a bit different. I don't think we'll go with two up top to begin with, which we did at Pataudry the other week. I think Barry will go back to the formation that's worked in inverted commas for us in Europe. You know, we, we deployed this kind of 5-4-1, which turns into a Christmas tree when you're in possession. We deployed it at Frankfurt. Our best performance of the season was probably at Fir Park, where we kind of did the same. Same formation we used at Ibrox. So I think he'll go with something similar to that. Um, and yeah, we just have to kind of see where we get to. I'm interested to see what sort of side the Belgian Paul Le Guin can pull out now. Um, <laughs> given there's so many injury problems. Um, I'm only saying that because he's bold. Like, you know, sorry, Finn. That's not, <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting what sort of team Rangers put out, given all the injury issues they've got as well coming into this one. Well, it's it's an interesting point that you raised there, Gary, because I think that's, that's the most, that's the thing that's going to hamstring Clement the most is just, the actual players that he's got available. So it's not so much of like picking and choosing, well, I prefer to play this formation or this formation. It's just like, who's fit, who's available. Because I think there's no Tom Lawrence, no Danilo now, who was injured last weekend, no Ryan Jack still, no Nico Raskin. I think Sifuentes might even be out because he got sent off at the weekend. Barisic is a doubt. So it's kind of just who, who's fit. <laughs> but you kind <laughs> of hope that... Um, the. Uh, I think Clement, Clement will have learned from it, but I just really hope that Rangers go out with a different attitude. I think a couple of weeks ago after the drop at Todry, I, I kind of made a point about how weird it was that given Celtic dropping points earlier in the weekend, Rangers didn't go hell for leather to try and get the win. I just find that attitude really weird. And so much of not just this season, but this is historically over the last number of seasons, we've seen Rangers teams give themselves half an hour to try and get up to speed and invariably they're already 1-0 down by that point it was the case at Patojo a couple of weeks ago so I think just for the sake of the spectacle but for you know as a Rangers fan going into the final I would love to see the team going out chomping at the bit ready to go and really go at Aberdeen and try and attack them Um, because I think that will give Rangers probably the best chance rather than trying to like be passive in midfield and control the possession and do it because it's just it doesn't seem to work for them that way. Gary, I know a lot was made about it at the time when the allocations were decided, the tickets went on sale and everything. Um, not heard much in the, the recent weeks. How did that pan out with the fans? What's the kind of mood like? Um, is it still unrest? I mean, it, it was ridiculous what happened, but is the fans just sort of accepted it now and we move on? I don't think anyone's accepted it. I think most people are still pretty pissed off because there's a big number of Aberdeen fans who've not been able to get tickets for this game now. Um, now, Aberdeen didn't quite cover themselves in glory with the way in which they decided to go with the allocations because we jumped really quickly down from like 200 priority points down to like general sale practically um, and then of course they made the massive cock up about not like flicking a button on the, the website which meant you had to at least have had some purchase history um, so I think it was like 80 to 90 tickets were snapped up by Rangers fans I think is what happened in that instance um, there's obviously the extra tickets we were expecting to get um as well i think they have been we have got them now they know they could the venture seats from the, the yeah. upper um south stand um so we've got them now but i know for a fact there's a lot of season ticket holders who didn't meet the 200 point threshold who missed out completely and haven't got tickets for this game and you know i think the club need to take a bit of a long hard look at themselves about the way that they did and if they've, they've, they've accepted they're going to do that from now on i think and this won't make me popular with the chairman saying this but i suspect that we probably jumped too quickly in an effort to sell out our allocation as quickly as we possibly could in an attempt mm -hmm. to basically stick two fingers up at the SPFL about what had gone on. And it's kind of backfired a little bit on us. Um, the idea that season ticket holders haven't, or certain season ticket holders haven't been able to get a hold of tickets for a cup final is pretty off for a club that has, I think we're like, I don't even think we're, we're close to 12,000 season ticket holders yet. So out of 
you know, 19,000, you think every season ticket holder should at least get a ticket for a cup final like this. So <clears throat> that's not great. Um, is there still a bit of anger about it? Yeah, I think there is. I don't think that'll die down at any point, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you know, from my perspective. And it doesn't, it's, I'm saying it now because I'm an Aberdeen fan and it affects my club. But I just think it's a shambles in this country that any cup final doesn't start from the base of 50 50 and you work your way back from there. And I think the most upsetting thing from an Aberdeen fan perspective is that we, you know, Alan Burrows and the, the chairman, you know, went to the SPFL with a pretty sensible plan about how to mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, and the fact that it got knocked out straight off the bat, I just think, you know, it just says everything I think what the SPFL thinks about every other club outside the, the, the top two. Okay, right, time for an SPFL roundup. Mmm, yummy. <laughs> Kilmarnock have done the double on the hoops. Celtic's unbeaten run in the league has ended, everyone. It's ended at Rugby Park. The same venue, in fact, um, of their only other defeat of the season, which was in the League Cup, actually. But uh, I watched this game, and Celtic were absolutely dominant in this first half. Um, should have scored tons. But Kilmarnock had shown flashes in the first half as well. Um, I remember Danny Armstrong uh, hit the, the underside of the bar from a really good move. And then Armstrong was involved again for um, for a chance, which it was it ended up in a shot and goal. He skinned two Celtic defenders, which doesn't happen often. And um, uh takes a shot, it's saved. And then did you see, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh Kilmarnock player, I can't remember his name, shoots, should have scored. But um, the Celtic defender, oh, was I can't remember his name. It's really annoying. But it's almost like he forward rolls, and then the shot hits off his back, and it's the most amazing piece of defending ever. But Chris Boyd was utterly raging, thinking it was a penalty, which it <laughs> isn't because if it's the top half of the arm anyway, it's not a penalty. But he was seething at halftime. It was really funny, um, playing that pantomime role, shall we say? But Brendan Rogers says that. Well, obviously, losing 2-1. They took the lead. Uh, they go on and lose 2-1. Brendan Rodgers comes out and says that his side is struggling for consistency for of performance. It's their first league defeat. Like, Yeah. If, I, I, if that's, weirdly, if that's a bit, but to, to, to slightly defend Brendan Rodgers here, not a thing I spend a lot not of time like you, doing. <laughs> no, but um, I, I, it's it, the keyword for me there is performance because I think results are one thing and performance is another. And I think last season, uh, or the last two seasons under Ange Ball, it was both. Celtic got the results, of course they did, because they ended up winning the league quite comfortably. Um, but they also had the performance to match it. So it was even if that you know a defeat at St Mirren or they dropped a point here or there, it didn't matter because the performance was still good. And I think it, it can sometimes mask. Uh, what's going on uh, outside of the result and that in recent games I certainly speaking to a lot of my friends who are Celtic fans a lot of them haven't felt that Celtic have been playing well for quite a while now despite mm-hmm. them still being able to get a lot of wins on the board or certainly if they're not playing well not losing games and, and getting points but I think quite a few of them have felt that this defeat was maybe in the post um, because of the performances that the team's been putting in so it's, it's interesting that I think that Rogers highlighted that in his post-match as well because, yeah, despite how dominant they've been in the league in terms of results, I don't think the performances have been anywhere up to the level that he expects of his team and the Celtic fans expect of their team. And unfortunately, we've kind of fallen into that typical trap of uh, probably everyone uh, going straight to talk about Celtic because Kilmarnock's performance was was absolutely excellent if you look at the stats like their xg is better than celtics their yep. shots and shots on target are pretty close to celtics because celtic is still yep. going to have a lot of opportunities kilmarnock matched them in that second half because that first half was utterly dominant from celtic but the performance laura I, and that's not just in this one they, they've beaten rangers as well it, it's almost like um Derek mckinnis is creating um, maybe something a little bit like a start that steve clark had at kilmarnock and it's quite interesting what's going on there right now. Yeah, it's it's not consistent for them in any way. That's the, the problem I think he's got just now, is results are here, there and everywhere. But in terms of the actual performances, that second half performance was all Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were the only team that were going to score in the second half. And I know we always kind of joke that 
stoppage time when Celtic are struggling plays until Celtic score. But in this case, it, they were never going to score. It was always going to come from Kilmarnock. The, the job that Derek McInnes is doing right now, it's not perfect. There is still a lot of room for improvement, but he is building a very good, strong foundation there that when you look at the table... They're currently sitting fifth. They're a point behind Hibs, two points behind St Mirren. St Mirren, who are not on the greatest of runs right now, not as mm. good as they were at the start of the season. So they're they're there for the taking. Kelly have got to be looking at making this the strongest possible season for them because they can, if they keep this up, if they keep doing this, like, like we've seen them do it against Rangers, we've seen them do it against Celtic in the Cup. If they did this week in, week out against the smaller teams that they should be picking up results against, yeah. then they would be a European side this season. The The problem is they are dropping points against the likes of, like, I mean, you look at who they've they've lost well, to so far. Sorry, on you go. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing Livingston next. <laughs> so it's one of those where, like, <laughs> yeah, they could just end up having this wonderful result and then they go to Livingston. Yeah, they, they lost to St. Johnson. They, they, they drew with Ross County. They're, I mean, these are teams that, they should be picking up the points too. And that's the difference between making it into the European spots or not. So yeah, on a one-off game, it's brilliant. We, they deserve all the plaudits for this result against Celtic. But if they want to make an impact, then they have to do it in every game, not lose yeah. the, the ridiculous games like this. Finn, it, it kind of, you know, you look at Rangers' result at the weekend, uh, 3-1 win of winners over Dundee, coming from behind as well, because Dundee took the lead. Uh, goals from Cyril Dessers, James Tavernier. Oh, another penalty. Uh, and Abdullah Sima. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um, it does beg the question: where we were thinking a couple of weeks ago, maybe even just a month or two ago, that there was no title race potentially this season. Maybe it's going to be tighter now. How how has you as a Rangers fan and your thought process kind of changed in these last few weeks? Well, just as long as James Tavenier keeps getting his penalty every game, then I'm, I'm sure the title race will be on. Just, it's interesting that Rangers don't even haven't even been given the most amount of penalties in the league. That's all I'll say about that this season. But there you go. Um, I, I think it's it's really interesting, and especially I was messaging my friends about this just this morning that the it, it actually puts even more of an emphasis on how annoying the performance and the dropped points because I think uh, at Pataudry was you know the other weekend because. Of, of where they are now they could they could genuinely be two points off Celtic with a game in hand or sorry three points off Celtic with a game in hand um if if they'd managed to get the win at Pataudry so I, I we've talked about um outside of of the old firm and in the chasing pack in previous weeks how tight it is in that kind of run and a run of um you know like three or four wins in a row can just super boost you up the table it's really interesting that <laughs> uh, with Celtic having drawn at home to Motherwell a few weeks ago and uh, although they hammered Hibs midweek um, having lost at Rugby Park that you kind of get the sense of like a, a, a pendulum kind of like swinging but it swings both ways that's the thing as well and of the times that this does happen historically in the league over the last number of years Again, I've raised this point in the podcast so far this season. Rangers have failed to capitalise when that happens. So it was interesting this weekend, Rangers playing first, putting that pressure on Celtic then playing the day after and, and dropping points. So I don't know, it can it can be... Um, it, the league's definitely not over. I, I think we, we've always we've always said that. But it, it for Rangers to um, make it a title race, it will need them to really step up through the gears if Celtic are going to go through a bit of a wobbly stage. Um, otherwise, we're just going to be back to where we were, Celtic sleep walking to another title. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, Celtic play Rangers on the 30th of December. Celtic Park, that'll be quite interesting. Um, Livingston are <laughs> continuing in their dismal form. Uh, they lost 1-0 uh, to Hibs. Martin Boyle with the only goal of the game uh, and it's one defeat in their last eight now for Hibs. But have you seen the the Hibs social media video for when Boyle <laughs> scores? By the way, it's awesome. He just it, it, he's going absolutely crazy in it. You know, sometimes they get people to against the green screen just raise their fists slightly, and it's all a bit ham acted, and they're not really into it. Martin Boyle goes hell for leather in his social media video. It's brilliant. You need we need more people like that in Scottish football and, and doing these sort of social things and just being really up for it because it's so exciting. It's just so much fun. <laughs> it's almost like, uh, oh, just give me more. Give me more. Uh, yeah, I think Hibs play St. Johnston next week. 
Um, so their run could continue if St. Johnson don't turn things around. But they got a draw against Motherwell, 1-1. Um, but for Motherwell, it's 13 winless games now. Um, the heat is certainly getting quite intense for Stuart Kettlewell. If 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 Motherwell were to get rid of Kettlewell, they'd be looking for their fourth manager in 16 months. Like that's utterly mental. And Laura, can I come to you? <laughs> Considering you have worked for Motherwell, you know, it must be quite sad for you to look back on on the club and see that it's just maybe not as rosy as when you were there. Not that you were the reason things were good. <laughs> It's um it's frustrating because they haven't won a league game since the third of September. <laughs> Sorry, any game since the third of September. Um and yeah, they got the late draw against Celtic. It was great. Like feeling was it was a really good feeling, but that's that was just yet another draw. Um and it seems to be late late goals to claw it back, but cannot get over the line. Um you talk about is the time up for Kettlewell who could possibly replace him. I I don't think that is actually the main problem here um i think it runs a lot deeper there is there's bigger problems here you, you look at players are not bad players you can analyze the mistakes they've made and like i'm the first one to praise liam kelly um and say all these nice things about him but i'm also quite honest in saying that he is not on form right now and but that doesn't make him a bad player this is just one example he you can't go from winning player of the year one season to then being completely off the boil the next. The, the, things run deeper than that. And that's why I think you look at the whole coaching setup, the goalie coach, the the coaches behind the scenes, not just Kettlewell himself. So the, there's that aspect of things. Is everything right in terms of the whole dynamic there? But then you also look at off the pitch as well. The club, the club are not in a secure place right now. They they never replaced Alan, Bur- Alan Burroughs as chief exec. Yeah. And when you look back on what actually happened... It's almost a they, year, I think. Yeah, they said that he wouldn't leave the club until they were happy that they were sorted in terms of final replacement and everything was settled there. He left a month later. Mm. So the club didn't actually do what they said they were going to do in final replacement. They have never done that. They've, they've got somebody standing in part-time just now um, to be a three day a week chief exec and at a club at Motherwell that is not good enough <laughs> you need someone there full time running the show yeah. so if you've not got someone there actually being the boss of the whole system then who leads below that um, I, I feel like there's a lot of problems higher up that need to be addressed and blaming Kettlewell as well as he's absolutely not been on form right now and he's not been good enough I think if you were to replace him you're just papering over the cracks yeah, there, there was a really brilliant article that um, Nick McFeet wrote on BBC Scotland this week, and it's included a lot of the stuff you've just raised there, Laura, as well. But one of the ones that I, it kind of blew my mind because I hadn't really thought about it too much was um, to do with the whole transfer dealings side of things. And obviously during the summer, um, the club sold Kevin Van Veen for a, it was about half a million pounds. I was like, that's good business for a 32-year-old kind of journeyman striker. Um, but I, outside of that, um, I think Motherwell have had something like, what did it say, 30 permanent transfers in two and a half years since Nick Dawes was appointed as head of recruitment. And excluding this summer's incomings, just eight remain in Kettlewell's squad right now. Has that been a big issue as well for Motherwell? Yeah, um, Nick Dawes came in at the time that Graham Alexander took over. And I don't think he's kind of covered himself in a hold of glory when you look at the list of names compared to when the club had Martin Foyle before that, who worked quite heavily under Stephen Robinson. And I think that was one of the kind of... the, the, the What Stephen Robinson had in his favour was he could unearth gems, gems and bring them through and, and make them work for him. And I don't think that Nick Dawes has really had the same ability to unearth these players, be it from the lower leagues in England and bring them up. Um, it's just not quite had the same impact as the previous kind of recruitment team have done. So that's another aspect to look at. And it's just another example of off the pitch, behind the scenes, things don't really seem to be going to plan right now. And I think questions need to be asked there. Well, former uh, Motherwell manager Stephen Robinson uh, got a first win in three matches uh, against, well, three matches in total. Uh, yeah, they've had a horrible kind of run of looking back at it, but they were they were 2-0 winners against Ross County at the weekend. 
Um, and it's mad looking back at the the last couple of games. They've only won three matches in like eleven. When you consider they're still third in the table, it's absolutely baffling. But uh, I think four out of their last six matches have been away from home as well. And then they, they actually lost to Ross County in that run, so they've played them quite close together. Um, it's just a little bit interesting. I, I just don't know what's happened there. But they're still third, so that's quite good. We, we should move down uh, and do the lower leagues as well. Finn, can you um, sweep up the championship for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, can I just say, like, I absolutely love this time of the year in Scottish football because, like, you're you're we're about not quite halfway through the season, but you're really starting to see the narratives coming to the fore, not just in the top flight, but in all the divisions below. And there are some incredible stories happening throughout the divisions. But anyway, just looking at the championship. Um, the kind of weekend action all kicked off on Friday night. The Friday night games are always electric. Oh, I don't know game, what they the put way. in the water in the local <laughs> places uh, around that, but what a match. So Wraith Rovers coming from behind uh, at home to eventually defeat Partick Thistle 4-3, which I just think is the best scoreline in football. I can't explain it. Just 4-3 is like the best football scoreline. Um, Sam Stanton's goal eight minute from time helping uh, the Starks Park men keep the pressure up in Dundee United at the top of the table. Um, the 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 Terrors saw off Air United 1-0 at Tannadice on Saturday to maintain their very slender one-point lead at the top of the division. Um, at the other end of the table, Morton won what could be a really crucial three points come the end of the season against fellow strugglers. Are both George Oakley's goal there uh, helped them win 2-1 away at Gayfield. But uh, I think as we alluded to in, in the funny section, the match of the weekend uh, by far was was Cali Thistle's 4-1 demolition of Queen's Park. Um, hey, an 11th game without a win and third straight defeat. So the Spiders parked ways with their manager, uh, as we already discussed, and, and Duncan Ferguson ending up in the stand, <laughs> being sent off with the, with the fans. I, I Just one extra thing I thought was quite worth noting, and so David Wotherspoon, who is quite well known to a lot of Sco- Scottish football fans, Canadian internationalist, was at St. Johnson. He signed a short-term deal with um, with Cali Thistle because he's really good mates with, uh, with Duncan Ferguson. And since he's come in, he's played six matches on a short-term deal. Uh, he's got one assist and three goals, and every time he's scored, Cali Thistle have gone on to win the game. So, yeah, he's having a great, great wee spell there. What, what, but, what happened to him? Did he retire or something like that? Did he just no. go away? Uh, I think he left St. Johnson uh, and then ended up going, going to play abroad somewhere. Do something okay. then ended up played at the World Cup <laughs> with Canada. He was in their squad. Yeah. And uh yeah, and he's just signed a short term deal with um with Cali Thistle. Cool. You mentioned George Oakley, so that's my link into talking about Hamilton in League One. Uh obviously ex striker. But they, they're currently leading at League One, but they did fail to extend their lead at the top of the table. Uh held to a nil nil draw away to Aloha. My uh, Hate Aloha. <laughs> Just keep beating Queens. But um, I'll get to that. Uh, Falkirk moved level with them, though, uh, at the top. So it's been a terrific title race, shall we say, um, <clears throat> as it is written on this script. <laughs> but it is. It's been amazing. Like It's always been amazing um, down at League One. Uh, and they defeated Kelty Hearts 2-1. Now, Queen of the South. Amazing. What the hell is going on here? Following up a 5-0 defeat or humping from Hamilton last weekend, they smashed Montrose 4-1. Like, what is that? What is that about? Like, <laughs> we're just like we beat Dundee United in the cup as well, but we can't do anything in the league. And then whoa, whoa, and there's me going like oh, I'll stick a coupon on. No, stuck stuck a coupon on in ages, and I decide to bet against Queens. <laughs> and they go and win 4-1. I'm like we're never going to win this. It might be a draw, but yeah, just, you know, you're never going to win if you take a gamble. That is my little tip for everyone there. But uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the table, Edinburgh City are still languishing down there. They lost 3-1 at home to Sterling Albion. Now throwing to Laura with League Two. Denny did quite well. They put a bit of daylight between themselves and the rest of the, the teams chasing them at the top of League Two. Uh, they beat Dumbarton 1-0 and there's a wee bit of a cheeky goal, I think, as well. Did you see? So it's Michael Anderson's <laughs> shot and it's smashed off it. James Berry's backside. Um, 
so yeah, if you're talking about John McGinn having the best arse in Scottish football, James <laughs> Berry must be hating his right now. <laughs> gave them the victory. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a funny goal. Uh, Clyde still rooted to the bottom of the table, just eight points. Um, Sorry, I just to... seen this shot. <laughs> you just saw <laughs> yeah, um, Clyde chucked it twice. They were leading and um, ended up drawn two each at home to Stranar. Um, I've actually still to check out your chat last week with um, Clyde. Uh, it looked really interesting. So if anyone else wants to check that out, I'm obviously behind because I was away on holiday. Um, but yeah, that looks like a really interesting chat. So if anyone's looking for their League 2 fix, um, definitely check out last week's episode because um, that looks we've, really good. It's, it, we've got, the, there's an extended chat with the, the Clyde FC podcast uh, on the YouTube channel. So I think it's about 10 minutes roughly we had in the actual podcast episode but if you want to check out a kind of more unabridged version of that chat yeah and we've got that standalone chat with uh with Clyde FC podcast on on YouTube so yeah definitely check it out it was a great chat and uh uh Emacle's definitely got his work cut out for him over there but yeah <laughs> yeah they certainly is sorry I'm just I'm still watching the the goal from James Berry it's just like when he <laughs> hits his bum he's like oh like he's trying to like get out of the way of it and he's like oh it's sorry. not it's not so much a deflection, like the ball completely diverts course. So like Michael yeah. Anderson takes the shot. It looks like it's heading bottom right-hand corner, smacks off his teammate's arse and goes completely in the other corner. And it was such a hard-fought mm. game as well. That was the thing. It was like, you know, very tight, nil-nil at that point. But um, I think it was nice because I think when Steny put the goal up on social media, they just uh, put it up saying, I think I think the tagline was James's giant peach and then the peach emoji, <laughs> <laughs> which is very, very clever. That's class. Nice. Well, what a perfect time to end the podcast on Barry's bum. That's <laughs> lovely. Uh, so thanks, Laura. Thanks, Finn. It's been lovely to see you again. Uh, must thank uh, Gary Scott as well from the ABZ podcast good luck to them in the league cup uh when they play rangers yeah what a weekend how much fun are we going to have next weekend laura oodles of fun are you with us next week i am indeed oh finn you in <laughs> you're <sound> disappointed <laughs> uh, yeah but league, league cup final result depending i'm not entirely sure what state i'll be in next weekend given bottle the of buck fast at 5 a.m funny and <laughs> you know it you know it <laughs> good lad good lad oh well if you're still listening to this right now why um go away listen to something more fun thank you love you good night or good day cheerio bye stop listening